You're listening to the Straight to Video Podcast with Rob Lane. What's up? How's it going? And thanks so much for checking out and listening to my podcast, Straight to Video. Today's show is a check-in with a previous guest whose band are one of my favorite acts on the entire planet, constantly delivering great tunes and killer videos, and they have a brand new album out in the next few weeks, so a return chat was certainly overdue. Brendan Scholes is the lead singer and guitarist for Las Vegas Punk's Mercy Music, and it was way back on episode 11 of this show when we last spoke, so a lot has happened since then. The band are fresh back from tour and all set to release their brand new record, What You Stand To Lose, on June the 30th. They've already dropped a bunch of videos to promote the album, including their latest Found Out I'm Useless, which might be one of my favourites of theirs so far. So we chat all about that with Brendan, along with the influence on him of the Tempe, Arizona music scene back in the 90s, where he was from, his friendship with Mike Herrera of MXPX, and the incredible support Mike showed to Mercy Music on their last tour together. We also chat about the band Not, which Brendan is also a part of, which is this cool homage to two of his all-time favourite bands, The Descendants and All. Much like the last time we spoke, Brendan is incredibly humble and it was awesome to check back in with him during this exciting time for the band. This straight-to-video podcast is proudly presented to you in association with Affinity Photo. Affinity Photo is an incredible piece of photo editing software which I've been using for graphic design the past couple of years. It's used to create the podcast episode artwork you see each week with the cool video cover and it's an extremely affordable alternative to other programs on the market. So if graphic design is your thing, please check them out at affinity.serif.com. All right, let's get into this. I hope you all check out Mercy Music and their great songs, which can be found at mercymusicforyou.com and pick up the new album, What You Stand to Lose, on June the 30th. But right now, please enjoy my straight-to-video chat with Brendan Charles of Mercy Music. Yay. We did it. <laughs> how you doing, man? Good. How are you? Good to see you. How's everything over there today? Another uh, delightful day. It's great to check in with you again. Yeah, man. Thank you for doing it. Oh, no worries. Appreciate how it. How was the tour? You have a good time? Yeah, it was good. It's kind of like a reality show every day. Really? I don't know what was going to happen with Unwritten Law, but it was, yeah. Is that how they usually operate? Yeah, I think so. It's a thing. I love them, but it's total chaos all the time. Nice. Because you covered most of the states, right? Yeah, pretty much. Even like the places no one wants to go, we went there too. They're usually the fun ones though, right? Yeah, there were some surprises for sure. It's great to have you back on the show. I'm I'm stoked about it. Would you believe it was August 2020, episode 11 of the show? So over 200 episodes ago. (laughs) It's a long time. No shit. So much has happened. Yeah, I wanted to like loop back in and see how things were and bring everyone um, bang up to date. Because I know there was a bunch of listeners to this show who got into the band. I know they went to order the last album, Nothing in the Dark, back in 2020. So I want to give them their fix of what's been happening because I know you've been busy. Yeah. Um, shit. We started probably playing again in 2021, I think is accurate. I mean, last two years have probably been our best years as a band, which is hilarious when you consider. I mean, we're on like year eight, I think. But yeah, I mean, last year was crazy. Finished fourth record. That record's coming out June 30th. We did it at the Blasting Room with Bill Stevenson, something we've been trying to do like the last two records-ish. So happy it lined up this time. Has it been in the can for some time or at least recorded? 
some time ago. We finished May of, of last year. Yeah. Been a lot of, yeah, a lot of fucking around with people's time and, and stuff like that. We're happy. How is it listening back to it now then after all that time? I mean, I'm the kind of guy that like usually hates the songs even by the time we're recording them. So I like, I did my due diligence. I listened to everything and I just kind of let it go. Jared, the bass player, is kind of more team everything. He like enjoys going back. And to me, it's just like, maybe I'll like listen to it again. I don't know, in a few months or something. And yeah, I just hope, I hope people like it. Got to record it at the Blasting Room in Fort Collins, Colorado. You're obviously out in Vegas at the moment. Yeah. But it was with Bill Stevenson from The Descendants. Now, if I'm right, this was kind of like, I guess, a bit of a full circle moment for you. Because didn't Bill have some involvement with one of your first bands, Absent Minded, like way, way back? Yeah. Yeah, like almost almost 20 years ago. Very cool. That was like part of it for me. It was like I wanted to like have like a prove yourself moment that you're not like a stupid child anymore, even though I'm still kind of a stupid child. You'd stayed in touch kind of on and off though with Bill over time, right? Yeah, definitely. We've definitely stayed in contact. And I, like I said, like the last... Last one for sure. I know there was some scheduling stuff with Cameron and then I jumped back to Bill and then Rise Against had probably that year booked most of the, and I can't compete with that. So yeah, happy it worked out this time for sure. How long was you out there for? 10 days. Yeah. We did the thing in 10 days. Did you have the songs pretty much down when you hit the studio? Because I think you've been writing and recording demos at Jared's home studio. Yeah. Through COVID, Jared kind of built a studio out and it's the first time we could really like really demo things or have more ideas or to my point. I probably went overboard, which I did, and I, I had to let it go at a certain point. But it was really nice to have that margin for error because everything was pretty close to where it stayed. I know Bill had a couple arrangement things when we got there, but we kind of sussed that out the first day and then just off to the races. Yeah. For you as a songwriter, how does this album differ from like the last or previous Mercy Music records? Is it like a snapshot of the time between albums about what's going off? Definitely, like in my personal life. I mean, musically, I think it's more of a throw back to the very first record and stylistically i mean it's still aggressive but it's definitely more pop i guess in general it's definitely it's cleaner than nothing in the dark for sure more concise i mean nothing in the dark was like five days of get a record done i mean we did this one in 10 but that was yeah it's definitely definitely a different experience for the listener i think as far as the way it sounds yeah where does your pop influences come from for me it's always going to be squeeze and Elvis Costello, like Teenage Fan Club. Yeah, Super Drag's a really big one for me. You know, obviously what came before it, Beatles. Did you um, record this last album off your own backs financially? Yeah, between Jared and I, yeah, we generally do that. I mean, I own all the recordings, music anyways, historically throughout this tenure of the band. And just find somewhere to license it, to put it out. Yeah, or someone that'll meet us in the middle, or I just would rather be in that, not be holding to anybody. Or lack of better words, yeah. Is that from previous experience in earlier bands? Yeah, the band Jared and I were in previously, the Lydia Vance band, that we ended up doing the demo deal with Atlantic. Case in point with that is, we had like a 360 deal with the producer before Atlantic even got involved, so... Nothing bad on him. I love him to death. But it's just covering your ass as a professional. I get it. And you're taking a risk recording us. But yeah, I mean, even before Atlantic was in the picture, we would have, I mean, had nothing, you know, if things turned out a different way and the record came out. Yeah, kind of that stuff. We had opportunities with other like decent labels after that to put it out and they didn't want to pay for the recording. 
or to pay to re-record it so that happened too how was the response from labels because i think you spoke of like the frustration of them like simply wanting to know spotify numbers and things like that rather than focusing on the songs which is nuts we got fucked around this time by a few hence the almost year coming into this but we technically could have gone with a slightly larger indie this time but it wasn't the way i wanted to do it I don't want, I'm not like going to put anyone on because whatever, but the double helix thing is great. And Jeff and M who run the label, the two of them, like they're equally as invested as Jared and myself at this point in time. And I couldn't ask for a better situation. I have nothing bad to say at all. And I'm happy it went where it went. Did they approach you or was it a label you'd heard of? They did through uh, Yo Tom from Useless ID because he started doing his solo stuff through them. And now he's doing some Useless ID through them as well. And I got to give them credit for sticking around through like, three or four months where i was getting fucked around by other people too and i'm not running away and they're based out in arizona right where you're originally from yeah and they actually live like two blocks away from my grandmother no way which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah it's a small world yeah and i guess that's kind of a neat homecoming for you in a way and do you get to do a show out in arizona with the descendants as well that's the thing is like we don't go to arizona that much i mean up until the last two years we've been in arizona a lot started with mxpx and then we did a tour with the queers and then the descendant shows yeah so we've been to arizona a lot which yeah which is weird for me how is that for you because i know you you really like the gym blossoms and when you um mentioned that to me one time it's like i can hear it so much in you i mean i'm a massive fan of that band and obviously there's that whole arizona yeah tempe scene back then yeah, that like I came up in that and I would do Tuesdays and Saturdays with them down there for like the tip jar. They'd like take a break and I'd do like, you know, two 20 minute sets or whatever when I was a kid. So I was like, I was always like in the scene there. So like Gin Blossoms were a big deal. The refreshments were then like the funk junkies were also a huge deal. They kind of had a shot for a minute. They go, I think they were on Interscope and they had a kiss cover on the Tommy Boy soundtrack, but they were like a religion in Phoenix for a while. My mom showed me the gin blossoms and I was like, probably what, like second or third grade, you know, just had the cassette. That's the thing is like, actually, since doing your podcast the first time, it's just like, I never would have generally cited like the gin blossoms as a huge, like off the top of my head influence. But if I look back, then yeah, I mean, they're ingrained like from an early age, like that style. You didn't have any old, old friends come out to the Arizona shows? Because I know you moved, was it eighth grade you moved to Vegas? So Yeah. A lot of the ones that I, I was like relatively close to either moved out or I have some in the past. My brother still lives out there. My dad still lives out there. So that's kind of like slightly vindicating as far as my father's concerned. So it's just like, hey, look, there's people here. We've already had a couple of videos from the new album, Suddenly, dropped a while ago, and Love You, Need You. Both great concept videos, which I've become to know you for. There's obviously a lot of time and thought goes into them. Does that come from you guys or do you seek out directors and filmmakers who you'll know will be able to put a vision to each song? Love You Need You was a little bit different because I think it's really the first time we've had a video that reflects the subject matter of the song, which is funny to say in all this time. I mean, we usually go for like something completely ridiculous or something offensive, but that was different this time around. And from what people tell me, they like that, that we actually did that this time. Suddenly is more of a nod to like more happy go, you know, silly kind of. But Eric, Eric Cannon, the, the director, even if Indecline has been involved previously on whatever videos, Eric's generally the one behind the camera. So yeah, Eric's a godsend to the band. He has a great eye. And just, yeah, these have all generally been his ideas and I just kind of roll with it. Because you've got a new one all set to drop. Is it found out I'm useless? Yeah, yeah. 
And that's the feel-good hit of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Which has been your personal favorite from a video point of view so far. Probably say Love You Need You. And then for like stupid guitar cock rock, I'm going to say found out I'm useless. And you guys can see that when that video actually comes out because we kind of went stupid with it. I'm ready. I'm ready for it then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you like the video making process or do you get stressed out going into it? It's not my favorite thing to do, but I really like working with Eric. Like it's always a fun. So I'm going to say, I know I, I don't mind doing it because it's like as long as you work with people that you love. Yeah, it takes that that side of things away. It's cool to see it all come together. Yeah. Sends you that first edit. Yeah, I'm, I'm never not impressed or happy with anything that he sends over or does. Do you have any favorite music videos from bands you're a fan of from which you perhaps think, I'd love to do that one day? I remember the starting point for the song 4 video was kind of Black Hole Sun because that video fucks super hard. But it really does. Like, even if you go back and watch it now, I love Basket Case just for the Technicolor side of things. I love that video still. And there's nothing like spectacular, but just visually and the performance. I didn't have cable television until like 2001. So like anytime it was like me seeing that stuff was like at someone else's house or vacation or something like that. So once you clicked on YouTube that first time, you never left for days because you were watching all those old videos. Like I remember when there was like an end to YouTube. Like that's how, like I remember when there was, <laughs> I remember when there was limited because like I remember I was trying to find like Thin Lizzy footage I hadn't seen yet. And I remember like when there was an end. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not years that many years old. Have you ever seen any version of Thin Lizzy Live over the years? No, I never have. Because to me it's without Phil, like it's just you can't like it's not that I don't respect the other guys and like I'm friends with I believe Christian did that. Christian Martucci did it for a minute. It's not that I don't respect it or it's just like it's not really like I want to see Phil and that's never gonna happen. They still a big influence to you. Do you keep going back to those old Thin Lizzy albums? Always, always yeah. That's just, yeah, Phil's my dude. When are you going to get to Ireland? Yeah, and that's like, I'm the freckle guy, and I still haven't been. I'm Brendan Patrick. So, yeah, soon, hopefully, man. That'd be amazing. I know we're going to do, we're going to be in Europe, like, January through March, and I'll have, like, more idea. I'm not sure all that's all that's covering yet. Oh, awesome. That'd be fantastic. You guys have been described as the Beatles of pop punk, but also as a band's band, which... I think is perfectly depicted in that on your recent tour with MXPX, uh, Zebra Ed and Bad Cop, Bad Cop, they secretly recorded a cover version of your song, Nothing in the Dark. How cool and flattering was that for you guys? And can you tell us how you heard about it? I was on the phone with Jared just looking through Instagram and I was just like, hey man, holy shit, I'm going to send you something. Yeah, Mike didn't tell me anything. I had no idea. I like hit him on Instagram like a minute later. I'm like, dude, send me the link so I can share it. So he posted it live before even telling you or anything? No, nothing. And it took planning to get everybody's parts. Like Stacy had to shoot hers and they're all in different states. I was talking to him the other day and I brought that up because just like even when we did the shows, like there wasn't a lot of time to like be honest about, you know, or like thanking to a degree that's not just like thank you and we're just like, it's such a huge deal. I mean, just as a smaller band, not to mention just for me on a personal level, like how much I listened to that band growing up. And I don't think I'll ever like fully like, yeah, because it's like, it's a, it's a huge deal to me. And I think in general, someone like you respect as a musician respects what you do enough to or even care enough about your band, because it's really unheard of. I mean, it's one thing to like throw someone as an opening act, but just like to go the extra mile. And I know that's why people came out early. I know it's not lost on me at all. Was this prior to you touring with them then? Yeah, this was like they did wow. it as part of like after they announced the shows a few months later. Because Mike's like king of content. He's a genius at it. 
he's just really cracked it. And it's like, I know to the point because like he did like a, a reel where he was like repaving his fucking driveway <laughs> and I was watching it and I took a minute to myself and I was like, I'm watching this right now. So it's like, whatever he's doing works and he's great at it. Yeah, they did that cover thing, I want to say, like a month or two before the actual shows happened. And it had a huge effect for us, definitely. What if you guys had turned out to be like real dicks on tour? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's the thing is like, they're like the nicest dudes ever. Me and Tom got really close to because we're both like guitar people. So we definitely nerd on, on, on that shit a lot and music in general. But, you know, Bad Cop Zebrahead. I mean, just like salt of the earth, nice people, no bullshit. I'd met like Stacy and Bad Cop prior to this, but yeah, I'd never like formally met any of the Zebrahead guys and, you know, just nothing but good things to say. And you say that actually, that video, actually people were coming out early to see you because of that. I think so. I think it would have been a lot different should Mike have not done that. I'm not going to think like we're that great that people would know. I definitely think that made the difference to have a full house when we opened as opposed to, you know, half full. And the video is really cool as well. The video is great. That's what I mean. Like not just do the cover, but you go through all that with the video and everything else. That takes time. Like he's got kids. He's got a life. I was talking to him the other day and I just like really got a chance to tell him like how appreciative I was about it still. Awesome, man. Awesome. Outside of messy music, you still had time to form the band Not with uh, your bass player Jared and singer Davey Warsop, who he's originally from the UK, from Birmingham. Could you give everybody kind of like a quick overview and backstory of that band? Davey's band Beat Union and Jared and I's band Lydia Vance had the same manager, Stuart Teggart, rest in peace. When he came on board with the Lydia Vance camp, Beat Union was kind of dissolving. And my introduction to that was Dean, the guitar player, like we had an idea that like Lydia Vance had lost their second guitar player and Stuart was kind of flirting with the idea of bringing Dean out to Vegas or whatever. And I, I didn't really meet Davey or anything and Stuart ended up passing and I met Davey at his funeral and Stuart's wife kind of had the idea that like because Davey had coincidentally got the job at the they needed like a an engineer for the Hurley studio because that's he was working over there but Stuart's wife Judy had the idea that like maybe I should pop out there for a weekend and we could like try and ride some stuff together and I'm an incredibly socially awkward person and especially in a situation like that where it's like something personal but we I mean we ended up getting along we're both like lead singer guys so there's like there's always going to be that but yeah fast forward the Lydia Vance thing dissolved too Jared and I started another band after that called Dead Hand that was stupidest fucking name ever and we did a whole record with Davey out at Hurley by that time Davey had got like Suede Head going which was another project of his we just always stayed in contact and stayed friends. And we did definitely bond over like the whole all descendants thing big time. And then I remember 2019, like right before we went to go do nothing in the dark, he sent me an email. He's like, what about like doing this homage to all descendants? He's like, would you be down to like, you know, write? And he sent me some of the ones that he'd done already, which I guess he'd had for some time now that I'm, I'm finding out. But yeah, we kind of started there and I started emailing ideas back and forth. And then Jared got involved too, because like he loves Carl Alvarez, obviously. I mean, we're hugely influenced by those guys as players. I wouldn't palm mute the same way if it wasn't for Bill and stuff. And so, yeah, that started in 2019. Fast forward, pandemic, us having time. Then we all started really emailing shit back and forth. Davey wrote all the words because he tried to get me to write words and I just didn't because I guess I'm a prick. But then I think it was March 2020, maybe March 2021. I don't know. Yeah, same March 2021, Jared and I drove out to Long Beach because Davey had just, he has his own studio now, Strong Studio. So we went out there for a weekend and we tracked, like, how many songs were on the record? Like 12 or 13? So we, yeah, we went out and we did that and drove each other crazy for 
you know, 48 hours, but we got it done. How did you approach it though? Because you say it's like an homage to the band's The Descendants, but particularly the band All. Yeah. How do you approach doing an album like that? Do you change the way you write songs or how do you do it? That's a funny one for me because there's huge All Descendants tinges in the Mercy music thing sometimes too. And like, you'll really actually hear that on the new record and not just because I'm using the same amp that Stefan did or whatever, or that Bill fucking produced it. I like that style. And like, sometimes it just comes out of me because I was hugely influenced by it. So yeah, it's in my wheelhouse. But that it's like taking it to the next level. It's like, we're going to rip off exactly what you're doing from a place of love. Davey really set the framework per like reference points to like certain songs and stuff like that. Like this is Davey's brainchild. And with that bearing that in mind, like when I wrote certain songs or whatever, like I obviously had reference points in my head to what, you know, all and or descendants on this would be. So yeah, but I'm going to give all like general idea and marrying the thing together would be Davey 100%. Because you've done some shows together. Have you just done one show or has there been a few shows you've done? We've done the one. We did the one with Bad Cop and I think it was February of this year. That was really fucking fun. And it was nice to like just play guitar and fuck off. The funny thing was, is when we were doing the record at Blasting Room, we were also getting mixes back from Paul Miner, who mixed and mastered the Not record. And we were sitting in the break room or whatever. Jared was playing it and Bill walked in and I'm like, no, 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 no. And Jared loves it. Like Jared loves the Not thing very, very much. So yeah, Bill ended up hearing it because you're terrible. Like you don't want to like, that's bad. You think it is, but they all claim to fucking like it. I mean, when we did the shows with them in November, like Stefan got off the bus and he's like, well, if, you know, I ever die or something, I know who can replace me. And then I'm just like, fucking kill me now, man. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was cool that they didn't like fucking hate us. And like the all descendants group on Facebook has been very receptive to it too. To me, it's like a fun thing. I don't, I don't like, I can't take it that seriously because of what it is. To me, it's like a fun thing because it is like pretending to be in that band. I love that. So everyone needs to check out the album Stop the World. If only is such a tune, dude. Yeah, that's Davy, man. Like, settle down. I, that was a single. That one's one of mine. But yeah, no, Davy's a songwriting genius. He knows I'd say that. Yeah, when you come to the UK, he'll have to give you some pointers on where to go in Birmingham. All the yeah. heavy metal birthplaces, Judas Priest and Black Sabbath and all Sabbath, that. Sabbath, yeah. Stuff. What are your Mercy Music tour plans like in the States? You've just finished the run with Unwritten Law, but anything lined up around the album release? We're going to have headlining dates starting the 28th West Coast. I'm not going to like out at all now, but we're going to have, yeah, it'll be fun and funny at the same time. So we're going to do a handful of West Coast shows starting the 28th. And then we got kind of fucked for Europe for summer. So again, that's going to be 2024. I don't want to say anything else because nothing's really cemented. Plan right now is to stay as busy as possible through the summer. And then I may be doing some solo stuff in the fall. Try and just like, you know, think smarter, not harder about not having to be out two months shoveling shit and just like being strategic because um, it's a different climate, man. It's hard for a band to stay out. The Unwritten Law Tour was great, but I mean, it's still like it's not paying your bills. So I worked my day job that entire tour. A, I'm grateful that I had the ability to do so and they let me. But like at the same time, it's a grueling fucking thing to be essentially working. You want to be focused all the time on it rather than thinking about stuff. Yeah, that's the thing. But yeah, it's for the love. And that's about it. Who are you listening to these days? You get much chance to listen to anybody right now. I started this morning with Squeeze, ironically enough. There's this band Mama on Polyvinyl that I've really been liking a lot. Two girls, I think they like share songwriting, but I've been really hyped on them. Flatliners record, New Ruin, I think is really exceptional. I mean, I think it's my favorite Flatliners record to date. 
Do you listen to many guitar players these days? Any guitar players catch your eye? I mean, I like Eric Gales a lot, even though he's kind of becoming more of a household name. And I'm happy for him because I think he's like a real like redemption story because he was really successful in the early 90s. And I believe drugs and stuff like that kind of derailed him. But very seldom you see someone play that effortlessly. Such amazing fucking guitar player. Jared's really into like Wolfpack and like Corey Wong and stuff like that. So like by being Jared adjacent, that pops up sometimes. I got a great deal of respect for stuff like that. It's not really my wheelhouse, but there's definitely something to be said about it. Well, speaking of guitarists, our friend Johnny Monaco, he's out in Vegas now. Yeah. Our mutual friend, Mike Zuter of Magnify and the Zooters fame, also Paul Gilbert's bass player for a significant period of time. I do a lot of cover work with Mike. He's like the only guy I'll really work with. Me and him get along really well. And also he's like light years ahead of me as a guitar player. So there's no point in even like trying to be good. Johnny's also in that category. So like when Johnny moved out, Johnny kind of joined up with us. We do like all rock requests. So it was like the three village idiot guitar players. Like <laughs> I'd love to hear the banter between that because that'd be entertaining. No, it's amazing because I'm like Larry David. Monaco's like fucking Woody Allen. And then there's Zooter. I love fucking Zooter's just calls it as he sees it. No, but then I'm up there with fucking those dudes. And I'm like, what the fuck am I like even doing here? Like both doing eruption and like fucking just like, I love Johnny. And then I, I remember after that, I got us like a really well paying gig through a friend at MGM that ended up being like a live band karaoke and Mike Zuter had another gig. So Johnny became like the band leader by default. So it's like, yeah, and that was just, yeah. And we thought like we blew it so hard and it turns out the next day that they liked us so much, they paid us double with the original fucking. And I was just like, it was like such a fucking train wreck, man. I love Johnny, man. It was just like, yeah. Strangely enough, I was listening back to our chat from 2020 and we spoke about your run-in with the band Rat many years ago and Johnny's now out touring with Rat frontman Stephen Piercy. (laughs) Yes, he is. I've been enjoying watching his Instagram clips of that. Will you be going out to hang out and maybe remind Stephen Piercy of an incident? (laughs) Yeah, right. If you even fucking remember that year. Sorry. Yeah, between him and Mike, they don't need the fucking third party up there trying to fuck my way through like i can play guitar like the way i play guitar me playing guitar the way someone else plays guitar is a different thing they had you up there for a reason though mate so don't put your son down for that yeah no i take it as a compliment that they think i'm you know i'm worthy enough but yeah two of the best guitar players uh you know i know hands down brilliant stuff well it's been great to see you again and chat and catch up you as well man i'm excited for the new record when it drops in a few weeks thanks man hope people like it that's all i've said about it well you take care enjoy the rest of your day and i shall speak to you soon you too thank you so much man i appreciate it Big shout to Brendan Scholes of Mercy Music for checking back in with me on the Straight to Video podcast. If you like, you can find our very first talk, which is some two years ago, over at stvpod.com, along with over 240 more interviews, plus some Straight to Video music videos and merch. 
But be sure to have a watch of all the great Mercy music videos that are out there now. Pick up the new album What You Stand To Lose on June the 30th. There's some cool splatter vinyl options available too. And let's spread the word to hopefully get them to the UK in the near future. Everything you need to know can be found at mercymusicforyou.com and follow them on all social media. I want to tell you all about a special book launch event we have at the Straight to Video 80s Video Shop on Saturday, June the 17th, between 7 and 10 p.m. in the evening. Our friend Andrew Haunt has a revised edition of his amazing book, VHS Ate My Brain, coming out. And what better place to celebrate its launch than in an actual video shop? Andrew will have copies of the book available. We'll be doing a Q&A and we'll also be showing some classic horror trailers in our screening room. Admission is free, so we hope to see some of you there in just over a week's time. That is all for today's show. As always, I really appreciate you listening. So until we return next Friday with a new episode, remember to always be kind, please rewind and unwind, and I'll speak to you all real soon. <laughs>